Virgil fell from the edge of the world, hurled by the thrust of Augustus's back. The shape he loved grew huge and black, loomed and pushed. The air rushed up. He fell into despair, into air's other. The hexameter's fullness now could find no ground. His mind, dizzily replete with the meaningless sweet sound, could found no roam there on the joys of a noise. He fell through his moment's infinity. No man escapes. All the shapes of his labor, his infinite images, dropping pell-mell. Above loomed the gruesome great buttocks of Augustus his love, his neighbor, infinitely large, infinitely small. In the midst of his fall others came, none to save. While he was dropping they put him in a grave, perpetual falling, perpetual burying. This was the truth of his charons ferrying, everlastingly plucked from and sucked from and plucked to and sucked to a grave. Unborn pieties lived, out of the infinity of time to that moment's infinity they lived, they rushed, they dived below him, they rose to close with his fall, all while man is, that could live, and would, by his hexameters, found there the ground of their power, and their power's use, others he saved, himself he could not save. In that hour they came, more and faster, they sped to their dead master, they sought him to save from the spectral grave and the endless falling, who had heard, for their own instruction, the sound of his calling. There was intervention, suspension, the net of their loves, all their thronged songs, Virgil, master and friend, holy poet, priest, president of priests, prince long since of all our energy's end, deign to accept adoration, and what salvation may reign here by us, deign of good will to endure in this net of obedient loves, doves of your coat and wings, Virgil, friend, lover, and lord. Virgil was fathered of his friends. He lived in their ends. He was set on the marble of exchange. That was Taliesin on the death of Virgil by Charles Williams, whose death day is today. We will be discussing it here on the Inklings Variety Hour. Bowen Dereski, Tanias, we still remember. When you dwell in this far land beneath the trees, lies starlight on the western sea. Welcome all to a very special bonus episode of the Inklings Variety Hour. It is special... For so many reasons. Uh, it is special because today marks the triumphant return on her birthday, no less, of our own Megan Logston. Uh, how Hi. are you doing? Oh, I'm just so excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and also, thanks, for, thanks for letting me come back. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I had, to, I had to call in a few favors, but in the end, the, uh, you know, the, the Council of the Inklings Variety Hour gave us a thumbs up. No, happy birthday, Megan, of, of the future. Thank um, you. <laughs> and it's also special because while Annika could not make it today, we do have uh, standing in my very own wonderful wife, Glencora Pipkin. Say hi. Hi, hey. <laughs> um, everyone. 
And um, she is uh, very adept at interpreting modern poetry, which I am not. <laughs> um, and so we have her here today. And, uh, and then the other reason that today is special is that today, May the 15th, which is when this will air, is uh, Charles Williams's death day, um, the day that he was unexpectedly um, spirited away um, to, um, yeah, uh, to, to glory or purgation or something. Uh, something. Yeah. Uh, but we wanted to have this short podcast in honor of Charles Williams. Uh, Megan suggested it and suggested this poem. What, what caused you to choose this poem, Megan? Hmm. Um, well, I, I know I had been thinking about reading uh, one of the poems and um, this one kind kind of immediately sprang to mind because it's to me it's just such a beautiful and poignant illustration of the concept of coherence, and and so I was just in thinking about it being Charles Williams' death day, it it just seemed appropriate to read this and sort of think about it in terms of his own death. The poem, the main idea of the poem is that Virgil can't save himself. And he needs the help of those who come after, uh, those who have uh, seen seen the seen true salvation, um, and can sort of reach back into uh, his moments infinity, as it were, and help catch him from falling into hell. And uh, and so it's just to me, it's just a, a beautiful reminder of of that of that, you know, most important, I think, aspect of Charles Williams theology, that, uh, that idea of coherence, that's really wrapped up to in substitution, substitution and coherence, but being able to sort of help each other, bear each other's burdens, and um, perhaps even aid each other even after death. And so that's, um, that's why I picked this one. Great. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Williams' poetry is, at least at first glance, always quite opaque to me. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, to um, everyone. Even uh, Eliot and Auden, who, you know, yeah. were brilliant, were like, this is hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is I, really I, hard. Yeah, I was talking to Chris before. This reminds me a little bit of Auden's uh, mm. death of W.B. Yeats. Mm. Um, just in that it's, you know, it's, it's like lifting up another poet, but yep. a poet who's died and sort of talking about the poet's works and words kind of being used by other people. Um, but I love this one and that it's like really kind of focusing on how that could change Virgil, right? Um, mm -hmm. Which is super neat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the poem really, it, it's um, according to, I, I have uh, the version of Taliesin that uh, Serena Higgins, who has been on our show, edited, and she gives a little bit of information in the introduction, um, just kind of saying this is, this is the moment in this sort of Arthurian arc um, when Taliesin is reciting a poem for, for the other poets in, in kind of like a school of the, of the poets. She says, um, this poem brings to life the way of exchange. In it, Taliesin tells how Virgil died and was falling, falling, falling on his way to the grave, on his way to hell. 
but later readers who would be saved by reading Virgil's works reached back from the future and gave him eternal salvation. Mm -hmm. uh, Virgil was fathered by his friends. He lived in their ends. He was set on the marble of exchange. And then she concludes uh, this sort of mini analysis. Thus, Williams lays the theological foundation for Logris in simultaneity, service, poetry, romantic theology, and exchange. And I think, I think one of the things that's fascinating to me about this is that part of the Arthurian myth, that when, when we have the story of Arthur, we have the story of the fall of Camelot and this wonderful Christian kingdom that was, that worked so well for a brief shining moment and then was dashed to pieces, you know, um, and Talius and on the death of Virgil, Talius and who's the bard of Arthur's court, I think, uh, yes, is, yes. <laughs> is, uh, is talking about this earlier bard of an earlier empire, right? An earlier kingdom. Um, and the way in which this bard has been redeemed through the images that the bard created that others later found and that led others to salvation. Um, and for Virgil, that's the Aeneid, but more than that, it's the fourth eclogue, um, which is kind of a pagan prediction of Christ, according to like all the medievals. That's how they all saw it. And they, they held Virgil in a very special place of honor up to, and especially Dante, Dante right? yeah. um, who, <laughs> who, um, who has Virgil guide the poet through hell and purgatory. Um, and even in purgatory, they meet a pagan Roman who, because the Holy spirit was working in him as he was reading Virgil's fourth eclogue, he became yeah kind of like a proto-Christian. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, so there's, there's this very real tradition of like, well, what do we do with Virgil? Who's obviously a prophet, obviously, right. you know, and, and what he was most literally writing about was a child born to the Royal family. I don't know if it was the next emperor or, or what exactly, but it's, it's very similar in a lot of ways to Isaiah, right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Isaiah, a virgin shall be with child, but um but but yeah, um, it, this this poem kind of touches on the world of Caesar failing Virgil and life failing Virgil and Virgil falling down to hell mm -hmm. um, and then being um, then being saved by those who were inspired by his by his yeah. hexameters. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And through the through SCW, would say the web of exchange, they can help Virgil toward a knowledge and experience of that true salvation which which is interesting to think about because cw doesn't even limit it to virgil or like great poets or whatever it's I, he's his vision for this is that it works for uh, everyone like we can all help each other beyond the grave throughout time <laughs> you know and so it's, which is just, I, I mean, it's, it's so fascinating. Like when I first got introduced to that concept, it just, it sort of just opened, it opened my mind and my like heart <laughs> to just crazy possibilities. And, and it's one of those things that I, I, <laughs> I really hope that it's true. <laughs> I, I want to believe that it's true. And, mm. and so I, I hope that it is because it just, it makes so much sense mm. Uh, it all, it all fits together because of, I mean, it, I mean, we are the body of Christ. And so again, for CW, it's not like, you know, oh, that's just a thing we say, yes, we're the body of Christ, you know, whatever. It's just a, a symbol or whatever. There's, there's something 
inherently mystical uh and 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 powerful about that that has that could have ramifications across time and space and so it's just yeah the way he illustrates that is is really beautiful yeah and and i think you know the line others he saved himself mm-hmm. he could not save is um is is so evocative right of of christ on the cross and the way that people mm-hmm. are you know mocking christ um you know you you saved others you can't save yourself that is the way of exchange right that we um that, that we do not save ourselves we save others and then trust that in the mercy of god you know we will be saved by another through others yeah it's funny to think about the the um paralytic you know he falls through the roof you know and jesus finds sees him but it is a kind of falling and and it's the other friends who save him but um i don't know if yeah who knows if if cw was uh thinking about that good good old charles I don't know how I don't know how he couldn't have been touched by that because that oh, yeah. that um you know that that moment in the life you know in the ministry of Christ is such a great illustration of sort of what he was all about. Yeah, he's so. dropping pell mell. It feels so like it's such a funny. I know. I'm it's like an interesting use of or choice of word there (laughs) yeah i was gonna ask you all what are what are some like images and phrases that really stick out to you here either that you've been able to make something of or that are still kind of mysterious to you i i fixated on several but one of them um that i noted was air's other the the air rushed up he fell into despair into air's other Mm. and i had two thoughts about that one of my first one was oh Descent into Hell, uh, Wentworth, uh, basically at, right at, very, at the very end of the book, describes being in hell as being in, um, I believe it was, oh, uh, the fear, the fearful opposite of the world he had known. So air is other, like something other than air. But then I thought also <clears throat> air is other could be the earth, the opposite of the earth. And since there's a lot of talk of falling into graves, getting sucked from plucked to and sucked to graves um that could also be it um but i don't know it's fascinating and i just it really rolls off the tongue and i like it a lot yeah 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 definitely yeah Yeah, it's interesting you know when you think too about poetry it's uh it's words spoken you know and like it's saying here there's a meaninglessly meaningless sweet sound could found no room you know the the beauty of Virgil's poetry was that it, it was not merely that it was words, right. Or just that it was a story, but it was something that indeed did found, uh, helped kind of bolster and, uh, uh, Roman civilization for a little while. And yeah, it's interesting, uh, that, that it's like the opposite of what words do, right. The sound doesn't have, there's no, there's no ears to hear it, right? So words don't have the whole pur- purpose and beauty of the word is that it's communication. Uh, the word Christ is the word, right? That's where all words mm-hmm. come from. And so when they're taken out of that context, it's like they have no ground. You can't mm-hmm. hear them, <laughs> which I guess would be my sort of weird interpretation of that. I don't know. Yeah, well, and it's almost too, because it he says... 
you know, after he says he fell through his moment's infinity, no man escapes. All the shapes of his labor, his infinite images dropping pell-mell. It, it is kind of meaningless in a way. Yeah. But then, but then it's funny because then there's a turn and it says, you know, then it turns out that, oh, all of his words and his images actually helped inspire those who came after and they were able to save him. So really, in the end, it wasn't. They weren't meaningless and infinite meaningless images. But yeah, that's interesting. What about you, Chris? What did you fixate on? Yeah, well, I fixated on um, on Caesar Augustus's very large <laughs> bottom. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. knew you were going to fixate on that one. <laughs> Which apparently is a, is a big deal. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's it's interesting. The um, the you know it starts out with hurled out by the thrust of Augustus' back. Um, the shape he loved grew huge and black loomed and pushed. And there's almost a kind of um, it's a descent into hell, right? So he's falling off the edge of the world. It's this sort of falling endlessly image that you get in descent into hell where the, where the character Wentworth is climbing down this rope. And then finally he does something in life uh, that damns himself. And then the dream that, the dreams that he's been having that he's climbing down this rope suddenly the rope runs out and he's just falling right and that's that's charles williams image of hell in a novel and here virgil is falling but it's also like the thing to which he dedicated his life the roman empire right mm-hmm. or at least his art uh, the the roman empire becomes a sort of monstrous thing yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not only like kind of like a oh Virgil's falling, Virgil's falling, but also like the very things that he loved have become sort of tainted and monstrous. At least yeah, in yeah. my at least in my view, I could be I wrong. Was, I feel like I was reading that too, and I was reading it as like Virgil's work within his own mind, right? So yeah. kind of like this is Virgil's soul, his poetry that's containing the how he's perceiving of it. And then we get to the next stanza which is how other poet, we have his actual work, which uh, is a great contrast, right? Because that's where the saving grace comes out of. Um, And then we see this sort of like real uh, beautiful song, you know, that, that, that Williams kind of makes at the end about holy poet, priest, president of priest, Mm -hmm. like political role Mm -hmm. (laughs) fitting for Virgil. But yeah, that, I mean, that, that was kind of how I was seeing the stanzas too, is sort of like Virgil's soul, uh, the others, and then sort of the real uplifting of, 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 of his word um, outside of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I like that, that there's, uh, that, it's, that it's essentially two perspectives. The, the first is that of the hellbound Virgil, and the second is um, the 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 true perspective i guess the of of the redeemed you know Uh, not that the one of the hellbound virgil is necessarily false it's just not complete but yeah it's um it's just kind of mesmerizing to read this poem because there's so much to kind of ponder Um, i love the parallel between could find no ground and could found no rome that's pretty much this whole collection is mm-hmm. that's the good way to describe it mesmerizing and also confusing at the same yes. time. <laughs> yes. But like so so my first time reading through 
this collection, I remember getting to the end of it and I closed the book and I was, I was sitting on my couch and I remember sitting there going, I don't entirely know what I just read, Mm -hmm. but it's something has like something deep inside me has been affected by this. uh, And I can't really describe what or how, um, but I, something has been touched uh, in, in a very good way. But it was also very confusing. And and so sometimes going back over and reading some of these, it's like, I, you know, I still really am not entirely sure what's going on. And, yeah. and with Williams, there's always like deeper and deeper and deeper layers that like probably only even he knows about that the rest of us will never figure it out. But um, but yeah, it's just that's kind of that's what this collection does. And I think that's why I mean, Lewis was just in, enamored of this whole collection. And then, like I said, Elliot and Auden both liked it, but found it confusing as, as well. But yeah, yeah. so I'm in good company. <laughs> Chris and I were talking about that earlier. We were like, it's funny, you know, if Elliot thinks it's confusing, you're right. Confusing. Um, but yeah, yeah. This, this poem is really, really like a, of a style, you know, it's like, a, it's very modernist. It hits all, hits all of the kind of stylistic points that um, a modern, a modernist poem would hit. And, and a lot, and like a lot of those things are great. Kind of like what you're saying, they take, uh, they take time. They're kind of confounding. You kind of have to have a little bit of classical context. Like you have to know Virgil, a little bit of his works. You have to know some of the other poets who were influenced by him. Um, mm-hmm but yeah it, it's also a little bit like a puzzle you know yeah well and and two not only do you have to know a lot of classical references and and king arthur but I, you really have to be steeped in william's own thought to begin with anyway to even understand what's going on <laughs> to go, what, understand what he's trying to get out here because otherwise it, it, it unless you are aware of like okay co- i know what coherence is i know what substitution is you know, or the web of exchange. That was his other favorite phrase. Like, unless you know all of that, you're going to be like, I don't, I don't know what's happening here or what's supposed to be happening here. Yeah. I saw the web of exchange and I was like, Oh, Adam Smith. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. you know, no, <laughs> the marble, the marble of exchange. Well, that's the one, in, that's the phrase in this poem, <laughs> but elsewhere he says web of yeah. exchange. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. A wealth of nations, a marble of exchange. Mm. or or i think what did i what did i say oh like a like yeah we were saying a slab for the dead or maybe even some kind of altar like virgil's friends are offering him up to the mercy of god in the hopes that virgil finds salvation that kind of which which would be very in line with william's whole aesthetic uh yeah yeah. Yeah. Well, I love, you know, it comes in the same place as the in the previous stanza. It talks about um, perpetual falling, perpetual burying. This was the truth of his charons ferrying, everlastingly plucked from and sucked from and plucked to and sucked to a grave. So it's like his spirit has no rest, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and it has no secure place. Right. And then the end of the second stanza is Virgil's father of his friends he lived in their ends he was set on the marble of exchange and that's just a solid sort of place yes. right yeah. for, for yes to be. and it's still exchange like it's still there's still a kind of movement but it's a less futile kind of movement 
Um, right. And also too, it's, he's being set by other people on this marble. Mm-hmm. It's not just, Oh, I'm falling and there's no one here to help me. There's, you know, it's very much like other people are setting me on, on this marble of exchange. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And that's, that's why the, um, that's why in the second stanza, the speaker's voice is interrupted by those who are speaking of Virgil, right? The, those who, those who saved Virgil because they then are participating in this poem about Virgil. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. That's, that's a key, that's a key word for Barfield too. participation, mm-hmm. which we'll get to him at some point, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Participating in, in, in the greater mysteries of the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like he lived in their inns. Yes. Inns, I feel like is very uh, classical. If you're thinking of like Aristotle, um, someone's Talos, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is a really neat thing to think about. Um, like how, like Virgil is now in, in their trajectory, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a, it's a neat little phrase. I like it. Yeah, because yeah, it's not just like, oh, okay, well, he inhabits their words. It, it's almost like he inhabits their very, like, persons, almost. Yeah, yeah There's this very real interaction between uh, Virgil and then those who came after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is just, it's just gorgeous. <laughs> Do you happen to know, I mean, what, they're, what he's saying about Virgil here very much reminds me of what C.S. Lewis says about pets uh which is kind of funny um in problem of pain um where he says that essentially uh there's a possibility for animal redemption because animals their personalities live in us and in a way they're imbued by us because we are the mediators of the grace of god um Mm -hmm. and that therefore to the extent that animals become tame and become part of us they too are resurrected you know in the new life and I just wonder to what extent Lewis owes that. It's very Will, Williamsian. Williamsian. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know Problem of Pain was one of his early apologetics. Yeah, I was going to say. I don't what, know how well he knew Williams at that point. What year was it published? 30 something. I, I don't know when. Um, <laughs> that narrows yeah. it down. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Allegory of Love was earlier. And that's when he and Williams met. Ah. Um, the problem of pain is a 1940 book so yes okay. he would have known williams very well at that point okay okay yeah okay. yeah yeah so i wonder to what extent yeah. he owes that to williams yeah, i don't know it's interesting to think about i don't know if if i don't know if this if it's the same exact principle obviously is here because yeah. virgil is not a pet <laughs> right but right. <laughs> Right. But it is through the redeemed. It's yeah. Those who are more directly redeemed by Christ that Virgil is redeemed uh, because he had a part to play in, you know, he had a part to play in their redemption and they have a part to play in his. I was also wondering too, if there's buried commentary here about the saving power of art, not that, not that art on its own can save people, but uh, that there's something significant about the creative output and creative energies of other people being a source of strength uh, or like food for the journey. And uh, that the, the idea that this extends beyond just Virgil uh, to any art that has that depth and the ability to affect somebody on a personal or even like a metaphysical level, a la Williams. Not that I would... I'm sure that's heresy to compare Williams to Virgil, but like it's, it's kind of, I don't know. It's, 
it's kind of the same sort of situation because like the, you know, the unborn pieties, the people who follow after Virgil found power in Virgil's words and Mm -hmm. were then able themselves to tap into the ultimate source of creativity or God. And then they are become capable of turning that around and find the power to save or, or to weave the net of loves that catches the falling Virgil. Um, And so ultimately, yeah, that's kind of why that that's what drew me to this poem for today, Mm -hmm. because I mean, not to get super personal, but (laughs) like I, I too have found that kind of uh, a source of strength from William's words in my own life. And so I don't know if there's something, there's something capital R romantic about the idea of uh, being able to turn around and, you know, give him a hand if he needs one. I mean, I don't know, yeah. but yeah, if, if he needs one, then that that's, I don't know. That's an interesting idea to think about, but yeah. 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 Um, no, I like that a lot, uh, uh, but I think it's also really interesting. And I was reading a blog by someone earlier about, about this, um, by, uh, Andrew, Andrew Sterling McDonald had written a blog about this poem. And he was talking about the fact that Virgil's final wish was that the Aeneid be destroyed. Mm, mm. Um, and Caesar Augustus was like, no, man, (laughs) right. (laughs) It's awesome. And it has lots of great stuff to say about me. Um, So I'm going to, I'm going to publish this mother. Um, (laughs) and so, um, yeah, Virgil's dying wish was not respected, and uh, this this you know particular um, author um, wrote in the blog that that's why you have the the gruesome great buttocks. It's like Augustus taking a poop all over you know all over Virgil's last wishes, and also Virgil's last wishes to destroy these images he created being a kind of uh, infernal desire right mm, that he mm. shouldn't have done that he shouldn't have had that much pride um, yeah. to, to do that um, and I'm not sure I mean that 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 very well could be um, I mean I think one really odd uh, difference between Virgil and Williams is that everyone at Williams death thought that he would be the yeah. big author right like this guy is going to be more influential and important than lewis and tolkien and all mm-hmm, the rest of mm-hmm. us combined you know everybody's he's the new elliot uh you know and uh you know because he can write the modern poetry which which we can't do uh, right and uh um, like he was really and he was also just so charismatic and so influential within his own lifetime oh yeah um and uh and and he just you know people find his poetry difficult and he didn't really catch on the way that everyone expected him to whereas with Virgil he did and you know became you know survived the advent of a new religion right and and was loyally loved by so many medieval Christians Um, but it's it's just an interesting different trajectory and I wonder if I wonder if your popularity after death has something to do with your, if, if somehow those who are affected by your work, like if it's like a sheer numbers thing, which I'm tempted to suspect is not the case. Right. Or if it's just influencing one person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Even like the fact that he was so influential on Lewis um, and so many of Lewis's, ideas have influenced people but there's 
so many seeds of Charles Williams and all of Lewis's idea or many of Lewis's ideas. So there's, there's an odd kind of exchange going on there as well, where we just all owe everything to everyone. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, or just, I mean, the idea of, you know, achieving immortality through being remembered and like, he's not as remembered as uh, other like uh, C.S. Lewis or Tolkien, obviously, but in a way he kind of is because he's he's got not so much Tolkien but Lewis uh there's so many ideas of his that Lewis just kind of took and was like yes I, I this is great I'm gonna put it I'm gonna write an entire novel that's basically like you <laughs> and it's not gonna be people's favorites but it's and I'm referring to that hideous strength obviously but um I like that hideous strength but that's also because I'm a Charles Williams fangirl, so <laughs> of course I like that one. It's but... the eighth, eighth novel. Uh... <laughs> it is. It really is, though. Because <laughs> it's so different from the other two in the yeah. Space Trilogy. The third Space Trilogy novel or the eighth Charles Williams novel. Or the eighth novel, Charles Williams novel. You one. decide. Yeah. <laughs> but uh... yeah, no, but so so in a way, he, he kind of is living on. But yeah, probably not. Of course, I don't know now. You know, maybe he's fully sanctified and he doesn't care who who has or hasn't read his stuff but you know probably not to the extent that we would normally think of as being you know okay you're famous after your death because you know if you mention if you throw charles williams around and even even among people who who like lewis and tolkien they'll look at you sometimes and go who <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a really it's a really cry and shame you know <laughs> but yeah well. What? <laughs> oh, who? Who are we talking about? <laughs> All right. So, uh, is there anything else we should say about this poem? I, uh, you know, I that's that's probably a good. We're probably good there. We should just. I I want. I just want to leave everybody with this thought that just think about setting Charles Williams on the marble of exchange, and just you know. If he needs it, he we should help him. Yeah, yeah. Pray yeah. for pray for Charles pray Williams. Pray for Charles Williams today. Uh, you read that line like Adam Smith, then <laughs> a, 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 like you know Coinbase, like a you know uh, whatever Bitcoin. Oh, hold Charles Williams and start selling it. Um, <laughs> I mean goals you know it's just more people need to know about charles williams and appreciate him for for what he did that's right you could create an nft with an image of charles williams oh <laughs> there you go well that's a little bit difficult for me to access the whole nft thing um uh, so uh so thought, i'm sorry no <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, I, I gotta go. I gotta go be a Charles Williams evangelist. Is that? <laughs> I mean, I do think I do think there is something broken in us in the way that we talk about, uh, and I noticed this a lot with Charles Williams. Um, <laughs> in the way that in the Did way you? That we talk about both um, both people who are dead and people who are famous, and especially mm-hmm. people who are dead and famous. Yeah. Um, uh, in that it it gives us like kind of a license to think and talk about them as though they are not people. Mm -hmm. And the really cool thing about Christianity 
is that you have the power to still consider them as people because you have the power to speak to God who knows them and who knows their innermost being and thoughts and where exactly they are and has access to sort of the objective reality of them that you don't have access to. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if the things that they've said are wonderful, even if the things they've said are horrible, right? Um, uh, Ultimately, they're another human being and they're a mystery to you and, and we can pray for them. Um, even if they're already dead, uh, because God is outside of time. Um, even if you don't believe in purgatory, God is still outside of time. And, uh, and you can, um, and you can pray for famous people too, by the same token, instead of just treating them as a symbol of whatever you think is right or wrong with the world. Yeah. Um, Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, with that in mind, um, let's hear one more time. The, death of uh, i'm sorry uh yeah taliesin on the death of virgil um and uh um i recommend that uh you go on out and get taliesin through logris in the region of the summer stars uh, summer stars because it's a it's a good book thank you megan happy birthday thank you Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna close us out with one more reading so enjoy everyone Virgil fell from the edge of the world, hurled by the thrust of Augustus's back. The shape he loved grew huge and black, loomed and pushed. The air rushed up. He fell into despair, into air's other. The hexameter's fullness now could find no ground. His mind, dizzily replete with the meaningless sweet sound, could found no room there on the joys of a noise. He fell through his moment's infinity, No man escapes. All the shapes of his labor, his infinite images, dropping pell-mell. Above loomed the gruesome great buttocks of Augustus his love, his neighbor, infinitely large, infinitely small. In the midst of his fall, others came, none to save. While he was dropping, they put him in a grave, perpetual falling, perpetual burying. This was the truth of his charons ferrying everlastingly plucked from and sucked from and plucked to and sucked to a grave. Unborn pieties lived. Out of the infinity of time to that moment's infinity, they lived. They rushed, they dived below him. They rose to close with his fall. All, while man is, that could live, and would, by his hexameters, found there the ground of their power and their power's use. Others he saved, himself he could not save. In that hour they came, more and faster, they sped to their dead master. They sought him to save from the spectral grave and the endless falling, who had heard, for their own instruction, the sound of his calling. There was intervention, suspension, the net of their loves, all their thronged songs. Virgil, master and friend, holy poet, priest, president of priests, Prince long since of all our energies end, deign to accept adoration, and what salvation may reign here by us, deign of goodwill to endure in this net of obedient loves, doves of your coat and wings. Virgil, 
friend, lover, and lord. Virgil was fathered of his friends. He lived in their ends. He was set on the marble of exchange. blessed encounter full of joy unscheduled on the decent fan with here an addict of Tolkien there a Charles Williams fan <laughs> 